Welcome to Mind Matters News. I'm your host, Robert J. Marks. We're talking to Sal Cordova about casinos, how to win at casinos if you're really a nerd and can find some angle to get in and pry the money away from them. And Sal made his living for a while card counting. And what what was a period of time in your life where you did this card counting? What What years? I'd say from like 2005 to 2014, but it wasn't my full-time job. Okay. Uh, on the weekends, I would go to the casinos and sometimes drive long distances. It wasn't that profitable. I, you know, my father had passed away and it was kind of a chance for me to kind of just decompress, just driving the long distances and kind of a way to, my way of coping. And uh, so it really wasn't that profitable uh it really wasn't that much of a career. It, it was more or less a side hustle. So um, that's a little bit about my experiences there. The, the professionals, they have to be good con artists. I was not. Uh, con artists, they have to be actors, I guess, right? Very good actors, just persuading the casinos that uh, they're degenerate gamblers. I, you know, there's, I would walk in there. I think people knew right away. It's like I kind of stood out. I looked like, uh, you know, I looked like a scholar and I spoke like one. Okay. And yeah, you look suspicious. Yeah, yeah. I just, you just immediately, and, you know, it's like don't even, if you wander in there and you look uh, like you have brains, it's like, yeah, you're automatically under suspicion. That's, that's fascinating. So I want you to give us a tutorial in card counting. But before I do this, how difficult is it? We talked before and you said it's just like playing the piano. You just got to figure out which keys to touch at what time. But you don't get to be a concert pianist, grandmaster, by figuring out which keys to touch at the right time. There's a lot of skill to it. So it's not as simple as that. That's correct. The concept is not hard. It's just like saying... Uh, playing tennis is just returning the ball that's hit to you, you know? I mean, <laughs> yep. uh, I mean I'm exaggerating, obviously. But uh, I'd say if one wanted to card count, there are computer simulations out there that will teach you, that will examine your ability and, and grade you. So there are a number of counting systems, and they were generated by computers to give you a heuristic. So this is where the computers... So they used computers to generate card count. I thought Thorpe did it in 1961 just right. by looking at the math of it. Correct. And that counting system was brutally difficult. You had to maintain... So let's just com contrast the, the actual in-practice methods toward the ideal one. The ideal one would be that you knew exactly... You could recapitulate all the cards that were you've observed. Mm-hmm. And then you could calculate the odds in real time for all the cards that you observe. That's extremely difficult to do. Now, with the computer, the role of the computers in this was one of the major roles was to find an estimation system, an estimation system that a human could actually execute. You have to have a good short-term and maybe even long-term memory in order to do this. Is that right? Relative, a good short-term memory. You, you have, have, to, have to be reasonable at arithmetic. So I'm going to give you the counting system that I used. Okay, let's so, so, But this was developed by the computer. So the computers will give you, it'll estimate the optimality of your heuristic. So this is a heuristic. Maybe since you're a computer guy, you could probably explain what heuristics are. 
Um, well, it's just an intuitive algorithm. It's it's one you make up by the seat of your pants and your experience, your life experience. Right. So this was this was just kind of an estimation system. It, it turned out that in terms of the bets, what would be the optimal bet to put forward? It, it's ninety nine percent accurate. In terms of the in terms of the optimal play of your hands, it's seventy five percent, and it was good enough. So that would mean that okay, if, if let the, pass that by me again. Ninety nine percent was what? Betting, meaning it would tell you whether you're supposed to put out $1,000 versus, say, $5. Okay, this was the optimal algorithm? Versus the optimal algorithm, the one that you have as a human that the computers figured out is 99% good enough. Oh, as wow. Far that good. Okay. But as far as playing strategy, it was only 75%. So what would this mean? If your advantage, uh, again, with the law of large numbers and expectation value... If the theoretical advantage were, say, 2%, you could get 1.5%, which is enough to put the casinos on their knees if they let you play long enough. I see. Because what ends up happening is as you keep winning money, you have an exponential growth law. Yes. And so that's why they want to nip it in the bud because you could start out with $10,000 in what they call your bankroll. And, um, I mean, if you think about it, if you have a 1% advantage – wouldn't it be nice to just kind of exercise 1% advantage, like say, in your bank account over a certain cycle? Yeah. So if you're growing your bankroll by 10% every week, you're, you're just going to kill the casino at some point. You are, yes. And that's why they want to get, you know, they're not worried if you're still at the small scale, but some of these guys will grow their bankrolls from like $10,000 to millions, and then they start to become a real threat to the casinos. One of the challenges is if you have a bankroll, you have to be very careful in the way that you bet it. For example, you don't want to put your entire bankroll right. down on one bet. And I learned this, I, I was in a business called Financial Neural Networks, and there's this uh, there's this risk risk security trade-off. You have you have a balance between the risk that you take and the amount of money you make. And the risk was a big choppy curve. It went up, but it shot up, it shot down, it shot up, it shot down. And you made lots of money with lots of risk. But that curve went up and down and up and down and up and down. Whereas if you if you erred on the side of security, it went up very gradually, but not as much. Right. And one of the things I found out, which is obvious once you know it, that if you're jumping up and down and you jump up and down and that curve hits zero, you're done. Right. That's you're called done. gambler's ruin. The gambler's ruin. Okay. So if you bet too much and your bankroll gets Wiped totally out. done. And you can do that when you're playing with probabilities, right? Right. And 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 actually it's a this is a important theoretical result by John Kelly, who also worked with Bell Labs, an MIT guy. Uh, so there must have been some connection in that era between Bell Labs and MIT. Uh, this was an achievement and it's actually very simple. If your advantage is like, say, 1%, approximately the most you should bet on any one given bet is 1%. Beyond that, you start to lose efficiency. And if you double it, you'll go to ruin. So we call it not overbetting. And preferably, if you wanted to limit that variability, you would only do fractions of the what they call the Kelly. So when they say full Kelly, you're, you're at your maximum amount of growth, but you're going to have too much variance. 
So you want to be. It's that jumping up and down. That's right. the variance. That's so, where you go. Right, you right. go a jagged you curve. To... It goes straight up, but man, it, it just bounces up and down as you go up. So the professionals will often operate at quarter Kelly or one eighth Kelly. And then the hedge fund managers realized they could actually import those ideas into management of their hedge funds. Ah, uh, okay. And, and so this is why they, this is why it's really nice to see the casino math play out like that. And so, um, now, I, I, there's some stuff where you can actually start to put in a little bit more to refine the Kelly betting. I simplified it, but it's it's there. You, uh, the the uh, listeners can can look it up, and so that's very interesting. And so, so just Google Kelly Criterion, the Kelly Criterion, and another way of framing it uh, in terms of just raw metrics is the expected value versus the variance. So they call that the Sharp Ratio. You divide the expected value by the variance or vice versa. You know, in engineering, we call that the signal-to-noise ratio. Yes. It's yes. exactly the same. I didn't. Yeah, I'm embarrassed because I'm an electrical it, engineer. I should know that. No, yeah, yeah, well, the expected value is what you, what you get, and the uh, that's the signal because you want to maximize that. But the variance on the bottom is the amount of wiggle or uncertainty that you have. So that's the noise. And that goes back to Shannon, who said, okay, this is the amount of information you could transmit on that. See, this all connects. This it is all why, connects. That's, that's, that's right. why, you know, you think of Shannon there trying to beat the roulette wheels. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I should I should have known that. So um, back to the actual card counting, they formulated using the computers all these various counting methods. But I'll give you the one that I used. And so what you do... So there's a number of ways to card count, right? Yes. And yeah. probably some are more difficult and require more memory than others. Right. So okay. the MIT team used a relatively simple count, but the initial counting systems were just brutally difficult. You had to keep track. The simpler ones are just a single count, and I'll explain how that is. So let's say you keep a running sum. So if you see, if you see a certain card like an ace or an eight in the advanced omega-2 system... That's the one that I've used. That, that's the card counting system used. I, make I used, right. If you see an ace or an eight, you just add zero to your running total. Oh. So you're just, okay, so so the dealer's dealing and you observe aces and eights from his deck. And you say, I'll just add zero, which is easy. If you see four, five, or six, you add the number two. Okay. And so you can see how that you can get confused because you see a four, it's like, I add two. Okay. I see a six, I add two. So you have to try to separate the numbers. And then at that time, also in all of that, the dealer's calling out numbers like you have 16 or so, and you have to be able to separate the numbers out. So that's yeah. the first skill, not to be confused. So aces and eights are zero. Two, three, and seven, you add one. Four, five, six, you add two. Face cards, which are like tens, Jack, queen, king, you subtract two, and nines, you subtract one, and that's it. That's one of the, the best card counting systems in terms of accuracy. Really? And then you can, you can do what they call, if you want to keep two counts in your head, you count the number of aces that have come out. And that's how, you, when you can keep those tallies, you have some idea of then the remaining strength of the deck. So what do you do with that number? You have the number. How do you use it? Okay, so just basically, if it's a very high number, you start increasing your bet. If it's a low negative number, you want to reduce it. But to refine that, so what's a high number? It's it's just kind of a fuzzy. Okay, in in single in single deck, there's what they call the 
I think it's called just the running count, the raw count. Okay. But then you have to adjust it by the number of cards dealt out. So, so, so oh. the true count, like, I think you call it the true count. So what happens is, let's say you have a, a single deck game, that's the easiest, and he's dealt out half. And let's say your running count is at six. You divide six by a half, now it's at 12. That's when you bet your maximum. Oh, you're, really? You're, you're, that's, the advantage would correlate to, again, so with each hand, I mean, with each count level, there's an associated advantage. I think the maximum advantage you might have when it's the counts are that high could be like 6%. So then that's when you have the computers actually figure out beforehand how much you're going to bet. And so you, before I would go into the casinos, I'd look at my bankroll, you know, like say it's $30,000, and the computer would say, okay, if you're operating at a fraction, a Kelly fraction of one-eighth, this is how much you can entitle yourself to when you have the maximum count. And you go into the casinos and say, okay, if I have a count, a true count of six, this is how much I could push out $300. If a true count of three, I would push out this amount. So I'd actually kind of, you have all these tables you would memorize, and that's how you would use it. So the first skill is to actually be able to count the decks and keep that running count. And then you have to div divide it by the number of cards dealt out. And you can either use your eyes to kind of just guesstimate, or you could actually count also the number of cards that were dealt out <laughs> if you really wanted to be an aficionado. And then you could also be counting the aces, and you could kind of adjust the counts with the number of aces dealt out. And so sometimes, why, why would anyone try to do this? It's just like you see these neighborhood kids, they have these hoops in their uh, driveway and they're just kind of, you know, trying to take basketball shots and seeing how far, farther away. Well, it, you just get to the point, you're just like challenging yourself mentally and seeing just, you know, how, how far can I push my, my mental abilities here? And um, so it began to be a game of like, okay, can I can I keep these counts accurate? You'd have to be sharp when you did this. You couldn't be sleepy or tired. It would be undesirable. And the thing you did not do is drink. Oh, uh, drink of any alcohol. Of course, I have not. I don't drink. I I rarely drink anyway. But that was always that used to be kind of the the running joke. If you see someone drinking bottled water. <laughs> I was just like, no. I wonder if and, the and, casino and looked, bosses look at that. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, you know, this guy's just kind of, he looks like a scholar. And he drinks bottled water and he, he doesn't seem to be bothered whether he loses or not, you know. And by the way, card counting doesn't guarantee you win. It just, it just increases the probability you win. Right. And so, which again, the idea is you don't overbet because then you try to get the law of large numbers in your favor. So this is, you know, some of the skills, uh, that kind of gives kind of, you know, the skills that have to be developed to, to, to beat the game of blackjack. Yeah. And so the ones that are good at it just kind of kind of love the game just for the challenge. You know, Bill Gross, who's that hedge fund manager of a trillion dollars, he likes to play blackjack. He's not doing it for the money. Now, he has to sneak into the casinos now because they – they they uh they know who he is and sometimes you can get away with it um you have to go in there and in, in in a disguise and when i started to get photographed i'd my favorite outfit was the pimp outfit so, <laughs> you would go but but you said you're a bad actor too so i was a bad actor you, 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 it didn't you, fit you, so i'd be there in my pimp hat and kind of my loose serious? clothing and i'd have to walk like a boy from the hood 
Now, do, I, you have, do you have any pictures of yourself? I'd love to post it on the podcast page. <laughs> I don't think I do, unfortunately. Okay. Now, uh, the getup that they said looked at least halfway convincing was I'd be in my cargo pants and wearing a deer hunter outfit. Okay. That that kind of made me blend in, or they said just kind of look, kind of looked like you're uh, just like a a guy who'd been. You know, some of these uh, workmen who paint houses or whatever. A good old boy. Yeah, a good old boy. And it, uh, I was, I, I had some partners there that tell me, yeah, that, that, look, that looked pretty convincing and they, until they heard you talk. I see. Well, you have to see, I was, I was born in West Virginia, so I have mastered an Appalachian accent. Uh-huh. And I could break into my Appalachian accent any time I wanted to. And I could pass. Good. Yeah, that, that is good. Oh, yeah, I'm in West Virginia for three weeks, and I, man, I'm just talking like the natives. So it's, uh, it's amazing. Let me ask you a question. Clearly, there's different levels of card counting depending on how complex things you can juggle in your mind. And as you go up the difficulty, the, the chances of you winning are better. Right. So that suggests that there is an optimal, there's a best way of doing it. Now, that would require you to literally be a computer. But right. of course, you can't be a computer. Now, MIT, and I'm going to ask you about this. MIT, um, there, there was a graduate student that came up with something called alter ego. And the idea was that, and I'm not sure the way they got his face, but just, just bear with me. It's the idea that you use your teeth as a keyboard. And when you use your Keith as a keyboard, you did this, I forget what they call it, a sublingual sort of uh, message. Some people move their mouths when they read, for example. But there's these little micro changes in your face. And those micro changes in your face can be picked up as a communication to a computer. And, and this guy that was showing alter ego would go around and they would ask him questions like, what's the capital of Luxembourg or something? And he would go, and then he would answer. And clearly what he was doing is kind of typing on his teeth. I think it's more complex than mm-hmm. that, but I, typing on your teeth is the easiest way to explain it. He would move his tongue around to give these messages from his face. And then there, were, um, there, there was vibrations from his face, too, uh, that also communicated from the computer to him. Now, all of this can be done through a cell phone. I don't think that they ban cell phones from casinos. Do you I don't know? think so. No, no, I don't I, think so. Yeah, no. I, 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 I can't imagine them doing that. So, um, if you did that, could you really clean up at card counting if you had an interface to a computer program which told you the optimal play as you began to type in all of the cards that have been played? No. No. That's because, a surprising answer. No, because this is really kind of interesting because the merging of human and computer intelligence, the computer intelligence kind of gave you gave you the human strategy to play it. But as I said, the, the correct plays are still 75%. So you have to, the correct plays being you memorize all of these tables. And I had pages of tables memorized where it would tell you, okay, under this count, this is the best this is the best play to make. Really? And it would be 75% of what the computer could do. And in that book, I, I loaned you okay, the book. Yeah, by, let, let me talk about this. Uh, yeah. uh, Sal gave me a book. It's called The Theory of Blackjack, and it's in, in its sixth edition. And the subtitle is The Complete Card Counter's Guide to Casino Game of 21. So this is going to tell you— By Peter all, Griffin. By, by Peter, Peter A. Griffin, G-R-I-F-F-I-N. 
and it's in its sixth edition. Did you learn from this book? No, I learned from Blackjack for Blood by Bryce Carlson. <laughs> this is <laughs> Blackjack for Blood. Oh, what a terrible name. Okay. So um, anyway, you, you, you but, were explaining that. But that book that. was the theoretical. It elaborated on um, Ed Thorpe's original work. Which you said he gave, he gave forth a very complicated algorithm. Very complicated counting system. And it tested out well, but it was just it is brutally difficult to use. In so the what casino. you're saying is that this simple card counting algorithm that you came up with is pretty close to as good as you can do. Right. That's amazing. Now, you did mention about these computers. Yeah. There was originally, some long time ago, Keith Taft, who he <laughs> he built the first wear, another wearable computer, and, and he would use his uh. toes to activate... To, that was the other thing I was to thinking. Type, to type yeah. the cards that he was observing. Yeah. And then it would buzz when the when the counts were high and tell him, you know, and he would he would play. So he he was successful at that. And then he teamed up with some kind of not the most savory characters. Uh, he, he would have these people as observers with the computers and then the big whales or the, the big betters. Uh, team up and the big betters would just kind of rely on the guys with the computers just standing behind them and 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 the guys with the computers would let them know when to start raising their bets okay and they would play probably basic strategy or some variation of the strategy and and they were cleaning out for a month until the casino surveillance figured it out well see that that's a question usually the casino if you figure out uh something's going on they change the rules so that you can't game it if you will right and that uh, resulted in a Las Vegas law that you can't bring computers into the casino. You can't. But what's interesting is you can bring cell phones in. And you know that those cell phones are more computationally powerful than anything Claude Shannon or uh, so could I have brought I, in. I think what they would say is you can't use it. I uh, see. In, in, in the commission of the game, you could get in big trouble. So, but Really? There's, but there's, again, because you could beat the game... You could still beat the game and you're 75% efficient. Most of my professional gambler buddies would say, don't don't even try. The, the risk of you getting uh, thrown in jail and prosecuted, even if you're innocent, just don't even, you know, don't even give them an opportunity to, to, to hassle you or prosecute you. So my you. idea about alter ego and typing on the teeth would get me arrested. If I did that, yeah, that would be out. kind. Of, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Well, so, so just well, learn. <laughs> there goes my get. get rich I know, I know, I know. That's, that's too bad. Well, Sal, this has been this has been fascinating. We've been talking to Sal Cordova. The guy has more degrees than a circle. Uh, he has degrees in mathematics and uh, computer science, electrical engineering, a master's in physics, and has done a lot of graduate work in biology and. Uh, he made a living. No, you didn't make a living. You just um, you just a made side, extra nice bucks. Nice side hustle, yeah. Could, could could you could you have made a living? Um, if they let me keep playing, yeah. If they let you keep playing, so I don't, that's I the don't, big I, thing. <laughs> well, one of the I, things I, I'd have retired like in a year because it's the exponential growth law. It is anything yes. that you. Could, I mean, if you could be doubling your bankroll every few weeks, yeah. Yeah, there's the, there's the old story about the king that rewarded somebody for some reason by putting rice on a 
chessboard where you put one grain of rice, then two, then four, then eight. And that's the payment that the guy asked for. And then they found out when they got to the 64th square that that was more rice than existed in the world. I, that exponential increase is just just astonishing. Well, we're going to talk next time about uh, card-cheating Christians. <laughs> Card-counting. Card-counting. I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> They were Christians, and they played honest. And they played honestly. Okay, so we're going to talk about that next time. It was a movie called Holy Rollers. Yes. And we're going to talk about that next time. So until then, be of good cheer. This has been Mind Matters News with your host, Robert J. Marks. Explore more at mindmatters.ai. That's mindmatters.ai. Mind Matters News is directed and edited by Austin Egbert. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the speakers. Mind Matters News is produced and copyrighted by the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute. 